Hello and welcome to Michigan and Other Mayhem, the show about Michigan, murder, mysteries, histories, and other mayhem from around the world. Your hosts are Allie and Jen. Okay, Jen, let's do this thing. Jen! Oh my goodness, it's been so long. Yeah, honestly, so I looked today to see how long it's been because I was like, it's, I'm curious. It's been a year, over a year, about a year and two months. Feels like forever. I know. Agreed. It just, it literally feels like it's been a long year. <laughs> True story. Just so you, so everyone knows, yeah, they're going to hear my dog. I yeah. tried. Did you? <laughs> that dog is a force. You know what I'm saying? If people met him, they would realize that he's a force of nature. You have, you just have to let him do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he run, he, he runs this place. He does. So what's up with you? Nothing new. Same old, same old since a year and two months ago. Right? So yesterday was our wedding anniversary and because we're, we're old, um, Michael and I went to the aquarium and dropped off our assassin snails because they were just, they literally had assassinated everything several times in a row. So we're like, here, I accidentally bought a boy and a girl snail and they made babies and they're all murderous. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, they can, they literally out eat everything that ever goes in the tank. So you can have them and let people know that they've got good appetites and they were raised well. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. So cleaning up fish tanks on your anniversary. Highlight. <laughs> Although we did um, watch the movie Encanto. I thought it was very good. I cried a little bit. Never heard about it. Never really? heard. Yeah. We watched the third Suicide Kings movie, and we watched a Resident Evil movie. I went to the movie theater for the first time, and I can't even tell you how many years. What'd you go see? At least two years, two, three years. Um, Uncharted. And you liked it? It was good, and I'm going to say it's a mix from, like, Indiana Jones okay. and Goonies. <gasps> I do love myself some Goonies. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what are we going to talk about? about? Yeah, I'm like, what uh, are you going to do? I'm going to do, you know, when you investigate things and you know it's bad. Yeah. Like the story is going to be bad. Yeah. But then you get so far into it and you realize, no, this is just straight disgusting. But you've horrible. already invested. Yep. You've already invested that time. Yeah. And you just your got thoughts it. and you're in the process and you're just going through it. So we're going to do that one because okay. I need to get it off my computer and off my mind. And it is about Mitchell Blair. And the case is where the mother murdered two of her children and stored their bodies in her freezer. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, so my, mine is... Uh, light compared to yours <laughs> <laughs> i figured yeah i uh, figured you'd balance me out yeah well mine is an older one that i had written but never like quite finished and i was going over it one of the things i was doing like if i mentioned something i, I made sure it still exists because <laughs> right. things have happened in the last year <laughs> right yeah so why don't you go first and i'll i'll be the more lighthearted one although mine does end with an std well, ends a heck of a lot better than mine does. Um, and then I decided when I did this one that I would do it in more of like a timeline. 
Okay. We're just going to go through the timeline. We're all going to get through this. And then. Just know that the bad guy gets caught at the end. Please tell me he does or she does. Oh, yeah. Right at the beginning. Oh, okay. 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 This is probably the first one. You know, normally they all say they didn't do it. Oh, yeah. And no, she was very honest. No shit. This, This mom came out and said, yep, she did it. So Mitchell Blair lived in Detroit, Michigan, with four children, two girls, Stoney and Gabrielle, and two boys, Matthew and Stephen. There were two fathers, but they didn't seem to be regularly in the picture. Okay. Mitchell claimed in an interview with Crime Watch that during her childhood, she was sexually abused by a friend of her mother's. And she told the story about how she let her mom know nothing came of it. Her mother didn't do anything about it. And that, you know, she still carries that trauma, of course, to this day. Yeah. From news reports online, life in the Blair household wasn't a happy one. And there was a point where Child Protective Services were involved And it seems, it kind of seemed like it went nowhere. Okay. So someone knew enough to call, but nothing really happened. Right. It didn't, yeah, I couldn't find anything like it. Yeah. It's like they're there in the picture in these news articles. They talk about it. But back then, and this was in 2002, somewhere around there. Okay. Uh, it just goes nowhere. And then there was a point in the timeline where the mother pulled the children out of school, which really eliminated anyone seeing the views. You know, signs of abuse. Uh, so this is the timeline I could gather. Okay. So September 2002, there were reports the two daughters were found with bru- burns and bruises on their bodies. Uh And then February 2005, there were reports the two daughters had what looked to be healed slash marks on their backs. Wow. And the two reports were both from the father. Okay, from the the girl's dad? Yep. Okay. And then in 2006, the mother claimed it was found that when they would go and visit their father, the grandfather would molest them. And then she, of course, refused to allow them to go over to his home anymore. So that really stops that dad, you know, from seeing his daughters. Oh, wow. Now, one thing I want to point out is, so she says you know, talks about her story about being abused and her mother not doing anything about it. And then this happens to her children. Yeah. But there's, I couldn't find anything on the situation where she reported it to the police. You know, that there was anything that happened. It seems like she removed them from the situation. But you would think you would do something about it. So you're thinking that, are you thinking that maybe she said that just to keep them from going somewhere where someone could tell on her? 
I have no idea. So okay. I'm not going to, I won't speculate. Okay. But I will say there's an issue here that you claim, you know, your mother didn't do anything about it and that affected you. And here's your two daughters and this situation is happening to them, yet you don't do anything about it other right. than remove them from the situation. And yeah. then it gets hor- horrible after that. Oh, man. <laughs> you know? um, so April, so now we're going to fast forward to April 2012. Okay. This is the date that the father of the two boys will say that's the last time that he saw his, the oldest son, Stephen. So okay. April 12, the father's the last time he sees the older son, Stephen. Okay. August 2012 is when all the events begin, begin to happen. This is where the youngest boy, Matthew, tells his mother that his brother, Stephen, is molesting him. <sighs> this enraged Mitchell... And as punishment, she started to reenact what Stephen had done to Matthew. Oh. On Stephen, she would do this multiple times. Oh. She would she would sit on him while putting a plastic bag over his head and trying thing tying things around his neck until he went unconscious. Oh. And then August twentieth, twenty twelve. Stephen, he was age nine, passed away. And she put him in the family's freezer. And reports state that this freezer was located in the living room. They lived in an apartment. Oh, man. Later, when the body would be found, the autopsy performed said that he died of blunt trauma. Oh, no shit. Then May now you're going to fast forward. There's a lot of fast forwarding. Okay. May 2013. Matthew told his mother that it wasn't just Stephen who was molesting him. It was also his older sister, Stoney. He went on to tell her that she was also doing things to Stephen as well. And then Stephen and Stoney would together do these in- inappropriate things to him. Oh, no shit. And then this is when the torturing of Stoney began. Mitchell actually had Matthew stand outside the door of the bathroom or whatever room she was in and tell her in detail what Stoney had done to him. And as he did this, she would beat her. And she actually admitted, the mother actually admitted feeding her oatmeal once a day and causing her to become malnourished. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. And then May twenty May twenty fifth, twenty thirteen, Stony, and she was age thirteen at the time, passed away and was put in the freezer on top of Stephen. Oh my God! And to make matters worse, Mitchell actually made the older sister Gabrielle help her put the body there. Oh Jesus! And then later, when the body would be found. The autopsies performed, and she, too, died of blunt force trauma to the head. Oh, my God. So then you're going to fast forward again to March 24th, 2015. 
Okay. And this would be the day that, you know, Mitchell Blair's secret would be revealed. The apartment owner was evicting her and her two, ch- her two children and her were at a neighbor's house at the time. Okay. The eviction was going on and based on news articles, there were police there during the eviction. And when the freezer was open, the bodies were found. Oh and my then, God. Yep. And then they located her and immediately arrested her. Holy shit. Yeah. yeah. June 2015, Mitchell Blair pled guilty to murdering her two children. And she did receive two life sentences without parole. Okay, good. The two children who survived from these reports were put into child services protection. And they were, the fathers were given a custody hearing but from what I could figure out, I don't think they ever got custody of their children. Yeah, I think those kids need, like, intense counseling. Definitely. They live oh. through some fucking trauma. Yeah. And then I did see that Mitchell was back in court in 2019. She was charged with assaulting a corrections officer. Oh, shit. She, she pled guilty and received, you know, five more years. But yeah, this was, I mean, absolutely, I'm thinking, okay, it's Jesus. not too bad. And I, I didn't put everything in here. Oh, thank God you. Was like, I was like, let me just top level, do a timeline now that I'm So I basically, it. what you're not telling us is she absolutely fucking tortured those kids. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. And, that- and I, I will say. She's the first one, you know, I mean, it's yeah. been a long time since, you know, I, I stayed away from murder during yeah. our <laughs> year. And then but, you jumped all the way into the deep end with this. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. And so. I, I at least, at least she admitted it. I mean, how can you not admit it? It's in your living room. And you had to have known you were going to get caught. The freezer's in your living room. Right. And not to mention, it's not like you guys have the strength to carry out a freezer with two dead bodies in it. Right. Yeah. So I'm. Um, that's the story. Oh my gosh. Well, mine's a little bit lighter, but like I said, there is some gonorrhea in there. But like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, go for it. Okay, so I'm just gonna tell you about weird shit that's in Michigan. Just like little odd things. So one is this Beth. Um, I think it's Oldham Cemetery, and this is located in Detroit. So what happened is, the cemetery first received their first interred body in the mid 1800s. And then, like, the last person was buried there in 1948. And it's a Jewish burial ground. And it was, like, originally very far from the city center. But Detroit got pretty big. And eventually, like, all the land around the cemetery starts to get developed. And there's Jewish religious laws that are against the moving of interred bodies. So once you bury them, you don't rebury them anywhere, right? Mm -hmm. So the car company GM bought this humongous portion of land around the cemetery and they completely tear down the neighborhood all around it It was called pole town and the cars um, company then built their plant literally all the way around the cemetery so the cemetery is completely surrounded by the gm buildings completely i wouldn't work there right 
twice. I know that was my first thought. I was like, you, you guys are assholes, right? <laughs> so yeah. twice a year, GM allows people to come into the cemetery and visit graves and the graves are maintained by the company. So there's 14,000, I mean, sorry, 1400 graves at the site. And like, you know, a lot of the headstones are starting to deteriorate and the plant is itself closed in January of 2020. But the future of the graves, you know, remains unknown right now. But I was just like, wow, you guys wow. completely closed them off. You couldn't even leave like a little doorways worth of land. You know what I mean? Right. And right. Yeah. And you only allow people twice a year to come in. Yes. I know. I was like, the only thing that keeps them from being actual assholes is that they do at least maintain it. But since the stuff is starting to deteriorate, you know, step it up, bro. Right. Right. <laughs> So this next one was, I looked it up and you and I talked about it because I had noticed that it was, I think, on sale this summer or something like that. But it's the Cherry Point Farm and Market. Um, it's the Labyrinth, Lavender Labyrinth there. Oh, I've always wanted to go. I, you know, I was thinking I want to go too. And I thought, yeah, I thought it was like on sale or something this summer, which is what made me think about it. So Cherry Point Farm, it was founded in 1949 in Shelby, Michigan, of course. The market opened, so selling herbs and flowers at the time. So Barbara Bull, whose family owns the property, decided to create a labyrinth of lavender. And the labyrinth is this giant circle of flowers. And then, you know, the supposedly the scent of lavender contains the ability to relax people smelling them. And it's, you know, it's a circle, so nobody gets lost. This isn't like the movie um, The Shining, like you'll be fine. <laughs> and it's really the lawns are really well manicured and it's just like repeating circles is all so the inside of the circles described in this atlas atlas obscure article as quote over 30 herb beds define a 12 point i don't know what this word means visica v-e-s-i-c-a pattern designed to fulfill the principles of sacred geometry 12 circles 52 arbor posts seven cross pieces Nod to the months and weeks of the year and the days of the week. Lavender is in full bloom for a few weeks between July and August. That's when we need to jump in, July and August. Right. And the outside market gives, you know, offers you, there's an outside market where you can get produce and other products made or grown from the farm or, you know, stuff grew on the farm. Somebody else made it, brought it back to sell it. So I never knew that it was the, there were shops, like you could buy things from the farm. I just thought it was just a labyrinth. Oh, yeah. And it was like a labyrinth, a market. And the whole market is actually, the whole thing is open June to October. June, It's like June 20th to October 31st. But when you you really want to go when the lavender's going, it's July to August. Right. Yeah. And I have a lavender tree. And it blooms and then blink of an eye, it's dead. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so you're, like, Look, I, you're so pretty. It's like, no, I'm dead now. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's a really short time you got to go. All right. Okay, so this one is the Jim Crow Museum of Racist Memorabilia. This is at Ferris State University, which I did have a cousin that went to Ferris State and lived in the area. And let me tell you, uh, they can party. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one of those, like, holy shit, they major in alcoholism. All right. Okay. So at Ferris State, it's lo which is located in Big Rapids, there's a museum that seeks to promote social justice and teach tolerance. So Dr. David Pilgrim, he was a sociology professor at FSU, which is Ferris State University. 
before becoming the vice president of diversity. And he has this inclusion pro- program at the school, like in the, since the 1970s. And he started collecting objects from like flea markets and secondhand stores across the United States that were racist. And in 1996, he donated his collection to the school. And they were used as teaching tools and they were kept in this like small area for the next 15 years. And in 2004, David worked with Clayton Rye on this documentary called Jim Crow's Museum to explain um, his use of racist objects as teaching tools. And it won the best documentary as the best document at the Flint Film Festival, which I didn't even know was a thing. And he, it plays on PBS. So David is a speaker on the subject and he's written this really successful book. And he consulted with the actor Will Smith on a movie and he's been featured in different PBS series. Wow, that's kind of cool. Yeah. And in 2012, David's collection was open to the public. It's more than like 11,000 pieces. Wow. Now, here's one that I think kind of is kids are into today. And, and then just wait for the end. That's what I'll bring it together. Okay. This is the Waxy Taxidermy and Miniatures Museum. Have you heard of that one? No. Okay, so the Waxy, the Wacky Taxidermy and Miniature Museum has over 60 dioramas of miniature scenes. And the taxidermy is done with like raccoons, squirrels, chipmunks, mice. And they also have animals that were created from like different folklores and stories. So not real animals, but they created taxidermy ones of them. And so you can see like, you know, a trout covered in fur, a jackalope and a wolfertinger. You know what that is? No, what is that? Okay, I had to look it up too. So... You got to, and I honestly want to go to the museum just to see a Wolpertinger for real. <laughs> so I know so it's a, it's, it's a confused creature from German folktales. So the Wolpertinger looks like a rabbit and about five, it has like five upgrades on its body. It's a small mammal with the head of a rabbit and the body of a squirrel. And it also has small deer antlers and the wings and legs of a pheasant. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Now the museum has a house city center that's done on one one twelve scale. So it has like little shops made for the mice in town, and they look really cute and realistic, like riding bikes, bikes, and pushing carts and stuff like that. So the museum's considered kid, fr- you know, kid friendly. It's in Mackinac City, Ma- Michigan. Now we were in Target the other day, and little mice dioramas where you have a little mouse. And like little scenes that you set them in, like around the house, is a whole section of toys at Target. Really? Yeah. So I thought maybe that's like a like a new kids thing we're not into. We like we don't know about because we each have a kid that's twenty. Right. <laughs> you know what so I mean? We have no... Oh, I'm gonna have to go to Target and look at these things. Yeah, and I was like, oh my god, this looks just like the the pictures from the article, except for these are little plastic toys. Nobody care giving kids like little dead mice. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so the next one is a two-story outhouse. Now, I've always known an outhouse as basically where you shit in a hole, right? Right. So I was like, how can you have a two-story outhouse? <laughs> so there's a. it was built in 1975. It's in Cedar, Michigan. And I couldn't get the schematics on how it's built, but this is what I hope, is that there were four holes on, like, the front side and, like, four holes on the back side, like, opposite from each other. Because uh-huh. otherwise, one person's shitting on the head of the other. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. That's so what I'm would, imagining. Right? So why would someone build a two-story outhouse? Okay, there's two different stories, and I can't figure out which one's real. I'm going to tell you both. So they both include this dude named Willie Nelson. Him and his wife, they have seven daughters. 
they live in a two a second story you know, two-story structure and there's a footbridge that they built that led from the structure that they lived in to the outhouse like so you can go to the shed or to the house so the first explanation starts with the first floor of the main building had a general store that William ran. And then the top part was where the daughters lived, right? Now, to keep the girls separate from the guys coming in and out of the store, he had the second-story outhouse built so his daughters can just walk across a footpath and they won't run into this people at the store. The second explanation, same thing, except for he, it, the bottom isn't a, a general store, but it's actually like a place where he keeps borders. And he doesn't want the boarders running into his daughters while they go to the bathroom. So he creates the two-story outhouse. Bottom floor for the dudes, top floors for his family. So unfortunately, not long after it's built, the two-story home actually catches fire and burns down. Okay. Yeah. So, but the outhouse is still there. <laughs> I mean, it looks like it's about to fall over in a puff of wind. So hurry if you can. It's it's been 150 years, more than 150 years, but it's been standing. It's off of M575, and you can, it's just like just north of Pierre Marquette um, train, uh, like south of M46. And Look you can go and see story. this. There's just a two-story shitter on the side of the road looking like it's got to do leans, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's great. Okay, sure. and the last one is Super Gonorrhea. So, August 2019. In three countries in Michigan, Kalamazoo, three counties, Kalamazoo, St. Joseph, and Calhoun, there were six cases of a powerful strain of gonorrhea. And this strain actually can cause you to be hospitalized with, with a serious illness. And the infected people with the STD had like fever, chills, joint pain, stiffness, and swelling in the joints. And the scary part about this is this infection can happen. It can infect your joints and your internal organs with without mostly women not seeing a lot of the side effects to know that they might have an STD. It's more like oh, a sign. Wow. Yeah. So at one point it's like, here are the people who are at higher risk. It's like people with lupus. I was like, okay. People with HIV. Okay. Intravenous drug users. Sure. Immune deficiency people. I was like, okay. And they're like women. <laughs> oh God, Bro, there's a lot of us. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, but it said that women, because for some reason, women are often asymptomatic or they have mild symptoms like painful or burning feeling while urinating or maybe increased vaginal discharge. Some of them have like vaginal bleeding between periods and that's it. They don't know that they have a serious infection raging in their body until it's like full on punches them in the face. So, wow. yeah, it says that men, though, actually show more of the symptoms. So, dudes, if you're listening. You need to receive medical attention if the following things happen. Does it burn when you pee? Does white, yellow, or green penile discharge come out? Do you have painful or swollen testicles? If oh, so, Jesus. go see a fucking doctor. <laughs> You'd be good for those. You'd be yeah. good for one of those, you know, med medicine advertisements and stuff. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's like reading off all the. Do your balls hurt? <laughs> Are they painful and swollen? Then go see a doctor. Some side effects might be you have an STD. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it says there's also like rectal infections in men and women. So look for like discharge, itching, soreness, bleeding, or painful movements. So it said those six people were all hospitalized as inpatients for a while. And in 2018, there are almost 17,000 cases of gonorrhea. And that's the fifth year in a row in this lovely state of Michigan. 
that we saw an increase of gonorrhea. And because, you know, gonorrhea doesn't just fight alone. There's also been a rise in chlamydia and syphilis. And it seems like Kalamazoo in particular is a hot spot for STDs. Wow. Yeah. Well, when I read that, you know, I'm old enough to have grown up during the AIDS crisis. I mean, I remember when people didn't know what AIDS was. You know, that's how old right. I am. So I was just like, since I was a kid, they've always drilled us into our head. Like, you, you can catch a disease and it kills you because dicks are dirty. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. And that is, that is some of the odder things about Michigan. You can get super gonorrhea. My cousin Brandy calls it like herpagonorrhea, like chlamydia. She puts all the words together. <laughs> That's funny. <Yeah. laughs> all right, Jen. You know what I want to talk about next time? What? A mistake I made. Yep. You? <laughs> a mistake? Never. Yeah. A mistake, but some hauntings. So that. That might be nice. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna come with a story that keeps me not from get you know keeps me away from marriage because your oh, husband okay. is your husband's gonna kill you. It's just it's inevitable. Yeah, that's I just guess. how that works. Yeah, I was gonna say it does happen that way sometimes. Right. All right. I'll check you in a minute. All right. Bye. Talk to you later. Bye.